This is the Rock and Roll Autopsy Podcast. I'm going to zap her again. Charge up the paddles. Come on, let's go, let's go. Sorry, Doctor. Hold the compressions. Clear. Straight line. Good evening and welcome to Rock and Roll Autopsy. We are the Forensic Files on your radio dial. My name is Scott, and have we got a great show for you tonight? No, we don't. Damn it. The phone is ringing again. It's the request line. (sighs) All right, let's pick it up. WRNRA, East of the Rockies. Rock and roll was basically music made by people who were thinking with their crotches. Paul Stanley, wow, what's going on, man? Rock and roll was basically music made by people who were thinking with their crotches. Paul, it's really cool that you called in. We're going to do a tribute show tonight for you guys. More from the heart than from the crotch, but a tribute nonetheless. Rock and roll was basically music made by people who were thinking with their crotches. Well, rock and roll may be made by people thickening with their crotches, but shitty rock and roll podcasts are made by people talking out their asses. Get the hell out of here. All right, buckle up, gang. Tonight we say Godspeed to Mr. Speed and bid farewell to the hottest band in the world, Kiss. We'll get the show started after these very important messages from our sponsors. What's up, music nerds? Are you tired of wading through a sea of mediocre music, desperately seeking to find a glimmer of greatness? You're in luck. My name is Mark, and I am the host of the podcast, Songs That Don't Suck. Each week, I scour the depths of new music playlists to unearth hidden gems that defy the trends and deliver pure sonic bliss. No matter the genre, if it doesn't suck, it's on my radar. So find us on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe today. And as always, keep searching for and listening to Songs That Don't Suck. Rico, what's up? Oh, fuck, dude. Nothing. Just got done with a long day at work and just kind of chilling out, trying to get my head straight. What about you? I'm trying to wrap my mind around a world without kiss. Yeah, man, I, I'm trying to picture that world myself. I mean, yeah, they did their final two shows at Madison Square Garden a few days ago as of this recording. Only Kiss can take a moment where they have so much goodwill and warm and fuzzies around the band and then just make it feel weird with this announcement of the Avatar <laughs> thing at the end. They took, they had all this goodwill <laughs> build up. Everybody was celebrating Kiss. I was feeling the warm and fuzzies. I've been in the army since the 70s. I was feeling the warm and fuzzies. And then I wake up Sunday morning to find this avatar announcement in my timeline. And I'm like, 
do, do we want we're gonna fucking hit the avatars right now aren't we let's do this man i i <laughs> i'm totally good with that what a bummer well let's take a step back here so tonight rico and i are just gonna talk kiss because we're both uh in the kiss army we're long uh standing service members in good standing yeah. And uh, we're in a little bit of mourning, um, but also celebration of this band Kiss that is no longer going to be with us, apparently, at least in human form. I'm not really sure what to make of the fact that the conversation is going to go that direction. But I guess also to give us some kind of framework to hang this conversation on. Yeah. Uh, I've prepared a list of my five favorite kiss songs and Rico has prepared a list of his five favorite kiss moments. Correct. Uh, songs, moments, just five. I mean, it's hard to, to limit it to just five. I mean, there's, but I have, I have five, like just kiss isms that I just want to bring up tonight. Maybe that's a, decent way of putting it so let's start here uh let's just each share with the audience i feel like we may have touched on this at some point in some podcast 102 episodes ago but for anybody who's new or just tuning in because they're kiss heads and they saw the artwork and gave us a listen um just give a little background into when you joined the kiss army maybe why how old you were give us Man, a little that background that's a good question. And then you'll do the same, obviously. Yes, um, so I was, this is when I lived in South Florida um, in the, we moved down there in 76 when I was five. Um, and at some point in my single digits before I hit 10, I wound up befriending a guy, a kid, a boy down the street named Charles I don't remember his last name. I don't ever remember what happened to him. Um, his nickname was Bunky. Don't know where that nickname came from, but we were bros, man. And so I would go down to his house. I don't even know how this got started, but just one day in the ether of my life, I woke up and I made it a regular thing. I would go down to Bunky and I had, I had it too, but I would take, I had kiss alive. I would, we would go down to Charles's house. And I, again, I was single digits here. I don't, I have no idea where this came from. We would go down to Charles's house, make peanut butter and mayonnaise sandwiches and listen to kiss alive and play air guitar um, at like seven or eight years old. I don't know how it started, but my first favorite band was kiss. My first favorite musician was Ace Freely. I always have a warm spot in the bowels of my heart for Ace because he was my first favorite guy ever. I didn't even know anybody else. I just knew Ace Freely. I loved Ace. I loved Kiss. We would play air guitar to Kiss Alive. Gene Simmons scared the shit out of me. I didn't even want to look at him, dude. Didn't even he, he literally frightened me. Um but I mean, that's really it, man. And like, I, I enlisted in the kiss army at the young age of probably like eight or nine, I'm guessing. And well, I don't even know how it got started. Well, how about you? I love that story. And it's very similar to my own in that I too, I like you, I, you have older sisters. I have an older sister. My older sister's eight. She's eight years older than me. And yeah. so she, 
introduced me to Van Halen and Kiss. And I can remember looking at her record albums and I saw in her record albums Kiss Alive 2. And on the cover of Alive 2 is Gene with the blood coming down his face. Yes. There's the four little headshots at the bottom under <laughs> the words Kiss Alive 2. And yep. his had the blood and it scared the hell out of me. I looked at that and I thought... That is some taboo shit I should not be look, looking at. That is for grown-ups, and that frightens me. Yeah, man, that's it. And, and so and so eventually, though, at some point, because I was exposed to it from my sister, you, the music was undeniable. And yeah. so I started liking Kiss. And I remember she had 45s of the old, I remember the Casablanca logo, you know, the yeah. label that they were on back then. Had like, a very uh, the the desert Egypt pyramid thing. Yes, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, I remember, and so I have like the imagery, and this is again, even I guess it speaks to how well marketed Kiss were that even their and this wasn't by their design, but even their record label had a look that I identified with the band. And so when I saw those forty fives, so even as an er, at an early age, I'm already seeing like marketing the look of the band is affecting me everything down to the and i remember looking at the love gun cover and i would just stare at this artwork and it was back in the days of albums and so it wasn't tiny thumbnails on spotify on your phone it was big ass fucking 15 by 15 yes. artwork that i would just get lost and they were cooler than comics man so eventually i can remember just warming to kiss and kiss just being a part of my life always. And then I can remember having my first paper route and I had a Walkman that, and on it, I had kisses, uh, smack. I had a copy, you know, remember the old dual cassette decks where you dub it was Napster before Napster. I had <laughs> yeah. a copy of kisses, <laughs> smashes, thrashes, and hits that bad oh, compilation from the eighties. Oh, Jesus. But I would listen to that thing every single morning while delivering papers. And I would be listening to let's put the X in sex. And I was oh, like in God. the seventh or eighth grade. <laughs> <laughs> So, yes. Yeah, so I like to consider myself a, a member of the army, um, you know, as basically for as long as I can remember, kiss has been a part of my life. I totally, totally agree with you, man. I mean, Jesus, my, and, and I'm trying to, my sisters, you know, they, they introduced me to every kind of music that wasn't big band music or jazz. That was my mom. Um, but, um, anything rock and rolly, like from them came like, you know, we've talked about it, all the classic rock shit, like Floyd and Forner and all that kind of shit, bad company, but dude, they didn't like kiss. That wasn't part of their, that wasn't part of their thing, man. So uh, it's to this day, like I think about it once in a while, like, like we both like occasionally will go down these kiss rabbit holes, like once in a blue moon, yeah. um, and, and I think about back to where I was exposed to this. And I have no fucking idea. Like it just kind of appeared like angels out of the sky for me, I, I suppose. It's, it's interesting too, because I can say that I don't think at any point in my life was kiss ever my favorite band, but they've just always been a part of my life. And yeah. legitimately, especially as I get older, I find that very little 
makes me happy. I'm pretty cantankerous, but <laughs> my but I can listen to Kiss, and it's like you said this about. The, I think you said this about the uh, presidents, um, yeah, Hot yeah. USA. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When I li- like the last couple days prepping for this episode, I've just been binging Kiss content, and Kiss's music, for whatever reason, genuinely makes me happy. You know, and I was walking the dog and I'm listening to kiss and I'm fucking singing it. I have earbuds in and I'm singing over the earbuds. People got to think I'm nuts, but I can't help but to sing it because I'm walking my dog and I'm listening to kiss and I'm just happy. Okay. So I got to ask like, what, where, where do you, when you prep for this app and you're binging kiss like a motherfucker, like what, what, what era are you starting out with? Well, I mean, I wasn't going to exhaustively like just list their catalog is huge. And so I'm like, realistically, I'm like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to exhaustively attempt to like revisit their entire catalog before this episode, nor did I think it was necessary because they're like a part of my DNA, (laughs) but I naturally just went back and I listened to a live. I listened to a live too. I listened to hotter than hell, the album, um, and then I pulled up one of the greatest hits because in a weird way, I think Kiss is one of those bands that like greatest hits or the Alive records, which effectively are greatest hits albums, yep. kind of do the job because a little bit like Motley Crue, I don't consider Kiss a deep cuts band. I think, I think, I don't think Kiss has any, this is where people could like make a legitimate argument that maybe Kiss doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame and I would listen because and I'm a, I love Kiss, but I'm also like objective enough to say I don't think Kiss has a single perfect album in their catalog. I think every album has some stinkers on it. Like they oh, don't have totally. They don't have a ten out of ten album. But, but no, me, that's why you got to hit the greatest hits album. Like like for the last for the last I don't know Scott ten or for the last twenty twenty five years. Like once the night once the grungy nineties were over with. So once it was like two thousand. So let's say the last twenty three years, they've done the their whole their twenty three years worth of shows and touring has been um, pre nineteen eighty greatest hits, lick it up, psycho circus, and the Bill and Ted song. That's it. So you take a greatest, you take a live or double platinum or a live two, and you add lick it up psycho circus and the bill and Ted song. And that's the last 20 years of their career, dude. Like, because yeah. all of the other songs are frankly, you've really got to be a really fucking purist kiss fan to really they're, they're duds. Like they're largely, there's a lot of duds, man. I mean, and I thought about this as like for me when i got ready for this i was like for for me after uh anything after kiss dynasty is is not really kiss with the exception of we'll get to the elder here in a second that's one of the things on my list but um anything past dynasty is not even really kiss so what i did was i just started at first album and i listened all the way through dynasty and then that was it for me as I was, and it'd been my God, a hundred years since I actually went to the studio albums because I always just go to the live albums. They're um, better. Right. Like uh bucket list. I, you know, this, but just to remind everybody that 
hopefully is not listening to our first episode. I think I may have mentioned it in the first episode, but I was present during the recording of Kiss Alive 3 in in, in Cleveland. They recorded part of that here, and me and uh, BM um, actually went to that concert. Uh, it was a great show, dude. Like it was, it was uh, late '80s, I think, right? Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah late was, '80s. I mean, I think it was yeah, Revenge it, Tour, wasn't it? No, but uh, it was like right around, I think '88, '88-ish, '89-ish, and yeah, they did some of their '80s stuff. But it doesn't matter. Like they are pure live entertainment. But as I was listening to these studio albums, um, I, I mean it because it had been forever like their studio sound is about 180 degrees different than their live sound in my opinion like if if like a lot of their stuff pre-1978 is like super fucking dated like if they didn't have oh yeah if they didn't have the makeup and the fucking branding and we'll get to that in a second too if they didn't have that stuff they would have lived a very short life and they would have faded away super quick maybe by 76 or 77 that's how short their career would have been but the other stuff made the music irrelevant but their music is super fucking dated largely speaking and i and i couldn't believe how different the studio stuff sounded just they almost sounded like a different band than, you know can i pause stuff. you for a second go for it go for it that's that's pretty much all i wanted to say about that anyway well you know we revisited in some of our recent episodes like bad company you know 70s band mm-hmm. it, a lot of those early early kiss albums you hear like it's it's like listening to an old bad company record or or free or something you know all right yes. now yes it's got that old Oh my God, free. What a great poll, dude. That's so true. And like, even on, well, Dynasty is a whole nother deal, but like Kiss One, I even texted you about this. Kiss One is so fucking boogie woogie rock. Like, every song could have a piano to it. There's like, every song has got that, like that guitar thing. I know there's a name for that. It's like the Beatles, the Beatles riff, right? Yep. And and they and it all sounds like boogie woogie Beatles rock, like the whole first album. It's just crazy. And then I even texted you, "Dress to Kill." To me, sounds like a fucking Leonard Skinner album almost. It's it's yeah. got such a southern rock feel to it. Yep. it. It's just blows my mind going back to it. Yeah, I mean, the truth of the matter is, I don't think they would have had a career had they not done a live because a live took all those really primitive recordings from the first three records that sounded really dated and primitive and put energy into them made the guitars crunchier and kind of made it more hard rock i mean that like you said a lot of that stuff bordered on like southern rock or boogie it's got that old little bit of 1950s rock and roll in there at times and it sounds like kind of the rolling stones simplified if that's possible free bad company it's at that 70s rock even a little fog hat or something in places yeah, but yeah yeah but it's the alive record is what i mean all the versions of those great songs on those first three records i prefer the versions on alive and alive two to those studio versions that They're is the, so true dude but it's interesting with the 80s stuff and then let's get to our list um yeah. i actually and i've never spent a lot of time with the 80s material the hot in the shade record the only song i ever it's got like 15 tracks on it the only track i've ever heard on it is the single forever which is that awful power ballad 
And I've never listened to it. And I always tell myself, ah, that'll be a retirement record. I could, I could see myself 20 years from now in 2040 pulling up a Kiss album from 1989 and listening to it for the first time. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. Because I've honestly, with a lot of their 80s stuff, I mean, I just never listened to the records at all beyond the singles. So they're is still to this day kiss music for me to discover it's just of the latter era you know That's so right. i still have new kiss to listen to i've yep. just been stuck in the 70s for the most part looking for a good rock and roll book do you watch a ton of rock and roll documentaries like I do? Well, that's why I started the Rock Talk Studio podcast to be the place to go for previews, reviews, and recommendations of rock and roll books, documentaries, and movies. Every first Tuesday of the month, the Rock Talk Studio gets you caught up on all the latest and points out where to go for the good stuff. Give me 20 minutes and I'll get you caught up on the world of rock and roll books, docs, and movies from every possible angle and leave you with a no doubt decision on where to spend your time and money fan or just casual fan, or maybe you're on the fence and just looking for something new to check out. Either way, I got you covered. Recently on the show, I've talked about books and documentaries from everyone and everything from David Bowie, Randy Rhodes, and the Allman Brothers, to the Abbey Road Studios, Cheap Trick, Stevie Ray Vaughan, Little Richard, and more. Join me, Big Rick, every Tuesday of the month as I host a Rock Talk Studio podcast, the ultimate review of rock and roll books, documentaries, and movies. Our Mind on Music is a podcast that covers all things music. We cover all genres and we welcome all perspectives from musicians, producers, and content creators to music enthusiasts. We have discussions, interviews, opinions, and much, much more. We hope you'll join us every week. Our Mind on Music on YouTube and all streaming platforms. You are listening to the Rock and Roll Autopsy Podcast. Whoa! All right, well, so we're going to do our top five songs slash moments. Um, I thought this was really hard to do. I mean, really, really hard. And Agreed. at first, I started thinking to myself, well, if I do this list and if I'm honest and I do like the sober, honest kiss list, it's going to be really vanilla and it's going to be the shit that everybody talks about and everybody already knows and has heard a million times because... Like I said, Kiss doesn't really have beats. It doesn't really have deep cuts to me because their albums are always a little thin. You know, well, they've no, got all. Uh, yeah, and ultimately, if we took the, which is why I decided not to kind of do it that way. Because, dude, our top five song list will be the same as everybody else's. Because probably the same. Yeah, because everybody's favorite songs are on all the Alive albums, and so there. <laughs> there's your top five list. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> but I did it anyway. So, um. <laughs> Let me get started. So I said, okay, well, here's the sober selections that I'm not going to make. Right. Detroit Rock City. It's probably the most accomplished song they ever wrote. It's probably the most professional sounding yep. song they ever wrote. Um, it's got to be probably, if you were to say to someone who'd never heard of Kiss, if you were to turn them onto a Kiss song, it would probably be, it's their business card. It would probably be Detroit Rock City. You want but, the best, you got the best, the hottest band in the world, Kiss. Yeah. So everybody knows it. Not picking Detroit Rock City, not picking Deuce, not picking Rock and Roll All Night. Oh, not Deuce. Picking, interesting. Interesting. Not picking Love Gun and not picking i was made for loving you 
So, and I think those are kind of like the five boilerplate, maybe you could throw shout it out loud in there, but like, those are like the boilerplate, obvious kiss songs. Yeah. So what I'm going to go with on my top five list is number one, probably my all time favorite kiss song, black diamond off the first record. Holy crap. I'm just going to say that's my number one all time kiss song. And it's not just black diamond, Scott. It's, the version that's on Kiss Alive One. That's the version. Yes. Sir. And here and and let and so go ahead. I'll put my part in when I get to my list. So you go ahead and tell why you that's why it. It's it's uh it's got a vocal by Peter Chris. I think he's at that time in the 70s. I thought he had the best voice in the band. I love the songs he sings. It's it's just a badass song. It's got an epic kind of feel to it. It's my number one uh, Kiss song, Black Diamond. Yeah, my number one, too, for the exact same reasons. And, and to expand on this, this is one of my Kiss-isms. This is one of my five Kiss-isms. Okay, all right, here's my songs. Um, Black Diamond, I love that song because Peter Chris sings it, especially the Kiss Alive 1 version. And I will say my 1A Kiss-ism is I love every song that peter chris sings in the entire catalog because he's got the best voice he's not he was never the best front man obviously that's paul's job but he had the best vocals and i love everything that he sings in particular okay i'm gonna uh, don't you don't think about this you ready hard luck woman or beth you got to pick one right now don't think about it easy hard luck woman yes almost man. made almost made my list yeah dude hard luck woman i mean beth is beth but dude hard luck woman is that is easily on my runner-up list of one of my favorite kiss songs fucking love that song and anything peter chris sings is superb so yeah my number one for the same reasons is also black diamond all right so then i want me to move on to my number two yeah all right, I'm going to go with the track that comes before that on the first album. It's also on the live record. I'm going to go with 100,000 Years. Oh, my God, dude. My first favorite song. Go ahead. You first. No, go ahead, man. Go. My first favorite song when I was in single digits was 100,000 Years. It's a great you, song. I have reasons. Can I explain my reasons first? Take I feel it. Like I feel like I'm nine years old again talking about this <laughs> shit. Anybody, hey, listen, anybody out there who happens to this, this episode is going to be how our first episode should have been 104 episodes ago, but it was the first one. So give us a break. But at any rate, here's why I love. Okay. So it introduced me to the drum solo. Yep. So that's one of the reasons why, and I love, and it also introduced me to the, to the phaser effect. Yeah. Um, and, and ever since I first, uh, discovered the phaser effect, which was what took you out of the first side and brought you into the second side. Remember they yep. went, the, the phaser took, took you out of the album and then it brought you into the next side. And then the phaser effect is, I mean, I've never heard phaser effect on drums probably since that that recording but it was my it, um and here's the other thing i love about that version of that song his interaction paul stanley's interaction with the crowd and the way peter chris was playing off of what paul stanley was saying the end that whole sequence with peter chris and paul stanley 
and the interaction with the crowd was just fucking magical. It was perfect. It was perfect. What have you got for your number two, sir? A uh, hundred thousand years, dude. Are you serial? I swear to God. Those this are is- my top. Those are my top two kiss songs of all times. Totally not prepared. So you, wow. We just, okay. Well, I will, we are not going to match up on this whole list. Can I, yeah, my last, my last three, I'm going off the reservation. All right. Well, can I go with my number three then? Do it. You go. I'm going back to Peter Chris on vocal. I'm going to the second record, Hotter Than Hell, the closing track, Strange Ways, one of the meanest riffs ever. I, I think it's an Ace song, but Ace, if you recall, in the early years of the band would write music but be too timid to sing it. So Gene sang Cold Gin and Peter would sing Ace's songs. So yep. I'm going with Strange Ways. It's got a badass riff it's a totally evil sounding song it's one of the only it's one of the early songs in their catalog that actually matches their look you know um they always looked heavier than they actually were so that's my number three what's yours sir um since i since i already in my 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 last three are in no particular order they're just the other three on my list okay so since i already let this one out of the bag my my third is going to be the uh, the album the elder dude let me say let me say this about the elder okay if you if you listen to the elder in terms of who performed it and the type of music you're probably were looking for you're gonna fucking hate this album it takes let me just say this and you know this and anybody who is any kind of a rock fan is going to understand this making concept albums is not easy okay it's like writing a story and then you have to have like 10 songs that are cohesive that tell a story that's not easy to do but for them for those guys to have the sack to do a concept album that's pretty i have to that's a lot of i have a lot of respect for that even though the album is not great i have a lot of respect for them to even try it right especially in 1980 dude 1980 is probably the worst year to release a concept album they were probably like two or three years too late on this concept album you probably got to do this back in the late 70s when everybody was still nerding out and doing their prog rock shit um but to do a concept album in 1980 by those guys it's got to be on my list just for the gigantic balls it took to do it in the first place yeah, you know, it's not a record of theirs I've spent a ton of time with. And it's funny because when you look at their discography, like in sequence, you can kind of see where Kiss loses their way. You know, right around 78, they do the solo Dynasty. albums. Dynasty's, yeah. I think, a pretty good record, but then they yeah. do Unmasked and The Elder. And you can kind of see that, like, they're lost. They don't know where they fit anymore. Yep. And the lineup's falling apart. You can kind of see it, but I yep. respect it. Um, Looking at Spotify just as an informative kind of thing, I've got a list of their most popular songs. Do you know what Kiss's most popular, most often played song is on Spotify? I do, and I was going to ask you. I I know it too. 859 million listens. Scott, go ahead and tell them what it is. I was made for loving. (laughs) Yeah. It's the quote unquote disco song off of dynasty. Yeah. The one that Gene hates and, and I'm saying this is when they lost their way, but apparently 40 years later, something resonates. Uh, the second most is rock and roll all night. And then Detroit rock city, which I consider their business card, um, their most emblematic song. 
of of the band uh the fourth is heavens on fire and the fifth is lick it up i actually think lick it up is a really good kiss album top to bottom i think it's their best non-makeup record so on to my number what are we up to number four uh, here number four yeah i'm gonna jump into the future and i'm gonna go all the way up to the revenge album and i'm gonna pick unholy um when this record came out it was awesome to see kiss kind of be kiss again especially after the 80s especially gene and this was like his modern god of thunder it was like he got to be the gene character he got to be the demon character again he got to be evil it was an evil song a nasty riff cool video he's sticking his tongue out rolling his eyes back in the video he's wearing leather again and it felt like it felt like a true return to form for Kiss. And that's one of the later songs that I think you really could take that song and put it in the 70s tracks and it would sound like it fit just perfect. So yeah, totally absolute home run for later era Kiss and just a rad song. Speaking of Gene and his vocals, you know, especially with salt like like that one and songs like uh, like God of Thunder. Um it, it, do you think that he tried to sound like Fat Albert on purpose? Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. See, they mm -hmm. sound kind of same, don't they? Yeah, I mean, well, he had a lot in common with Bill Cosby. If you're looking at his lyrics to tracks like Going Blind and Christine 16 and, you know, nothing so to lose and all that other. Yeah. Well, he didn't sing. He sang nothing to lose. Yeah, him and Peter Chris saying that. Um, so my number four is uh, like my number four is lick it up and when i say lick it up i mean the song the album the video and the tour the entire ball of wax that is lick it up the song is i actually don't mind the song believe it or not it's a I pretty good it. song um the album is to your point probably their best no makeup album um the video scott we got to talk about the video for a second it's like the gene mean mugging with the fist in in right in the camera when they're standing all next to each other and like all the homeless chicks i mean <laughs> the, the video now how how did how did mtv how did mtv kill billy squire and not that video that's what i want to know <laughs> yeah it's got the whole mad max thing going on that video is terrible it's awful and then the tour scott that's the tour if i'm not mistaken that has the nurse story yeah right? and, yeah. and it's, it's got uh and it's also got vinnie vincent taking like super long masturbatory guitar solos oh, that I know. annoy the shit out of uh out of paul stanley yeah, a little bit earlier, I I um I found an in the entire Lick It Up concert on YouTube. Not hard to find. Yeah. Um on, on VHS and I was kind of flipping through it. And dude. Then she says to me, why don't you take off your pants? Now I look at this girl, I say, honey, I'm feeling just a little bit shy. So she looked at me. I'm wearing my Levi's, my 501s, you know those real tight ones? So she walks over, she bends down, and she undoes that little snap at the top. Then she reaches down just a little bit, she undoes the next one, she goes, next one. She opens up my pants. She checks her hand out to make sure it's not too cold, and she sticks it down the front. And she pulls out 
Excuse me, Paul. What are you doing with that pistol down your pants? I said to her, honey, that ain't no pistol. Aside from the nurse story and the masturbatory Vinnie Vincent solo, like it's so, it's so bloated and overstated. And ninety nine point nine percent of that whole tour is all sizzle and no steak. There, it's just it's so bloated and over the top. I mean, everything is so. It's it was it's funny. Like it was literally funny. And and that's why the the tour also made this list because the tour, like that whole lick it up thing was just so over the top. It was just crazy town. All right. I'm gonna go on to my track number five, and it is I'm gonna pull Heavens on Fire as the uh, representative Ooh. of the 80s. I think it's their their best 80s track. Um Killer song, probably the most straight up heavy metal song in their catalog. Uh, just a killer track. And so yeah. Heaven's on Fire. Yeah, good one. My number five is not going to be a song or an album or a tour. It's going to be fucking Kiss Branding, dude. The Kiss brand is my number five. Let me tell you something. If anybody out there, if Bill Gates or Donald Trump, or any corporate executive, or anybody who's trying to start a business, anybody who's trying to, to want is any professional athlete wants to know how to how to develop a brand and how to successfully market a brand and keep it going for several decades. Everybody ought to be studying Gene fucking Simmons, dude, because if there's anybody who knows how to fucking create and make a brand bigger than the band, it's that motherfucker. And these guys have could could teach a fucking clinic on how to, on branding dude these guys are professional branders um and i will also include in this well we'll get to that but dude branding they are branding geniuses proper props to them for that dude that, that's why it made my list yeah and it's it's a great inclusion it's one of the things that when people slag the band it's the one thing it's it's probably the main thing that that leaves a bad taste in people's mouth is that they feel like they're always being sold something from kiss and it, yep. it kind of it kind of slags their authenticity and if you think about that band in the 70s that you were talking about that sounded a little dated Look yep. at how they like purposely tried to align and hop on to every single trend in every year, in every decade, That's whatever right. it took to kind of stay marketable, to stay relevant. And it also, though, for it also made you as a fan question their authenticity. And I think it's one of the things that works for them and works against them. Absolutely. And we, we have four minutes left. Can we talk about the avatars now for, for the last four minutes? Yeah, let's do it. What do you think? What the, can you uh, explain to me what exactly it's going to be? So I've seen footage of the ABBA. It's just like the ABBA thing. So they've got these hologram slash animated people that they that they project on a stage and they play like an ABBA concert. And I've seen footage of it. It's pretty impressive, actually. And so Kiss is doing the same thing. Um, they've got these these they're animated characters that that Gene and them put on the the tight suits and did like motion, you know, capture stuff. Um, and so they're going to do these 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 
animated projections of these characters that they're going to do live that quote unquote live music to. Um, I think it's a big fucking mistake. The reason why ABBA can pull this off. Here's why ABBA can pull it off. ABBA can pull it off because their characters that they're projecting on the stage are as close to the real people as you can get while being animated. And so while you're watching this, your brain kind of forgives the fact that they're not real and you kind of get into it and immerse yourself into it a minute and you and you believe it for a second. But they've made Kiss these superhero like literally comic book superhero characters that nobody is ever going to buy. And they're going to sell tickets to these fucking cartoon pre-recorded cartoon shows for like a lot of money. And it's just a pre-recorded cartoon show. It's, I think it's a big fucking mistake and, and I don't like it at all. What a bummer. Yeah. Like I, I would tend to agree. And like I said earlier, only kiss can take all the goodwill that was engendered as people got misty eyed saying goodbye and then somehow fumble it with this weird avatar thing. I think it just misses the mark. I mean, because their audience, frankly, is all older people who not that older people, not every older person is out of touch with technology, but I just don't think something like this is going to interest an no. older audience. Dude, nobody, nobody over the age of 20 is going to pay a hundred dollars to watch a kiss cartoon <laughs> because that's all it is. This is the perfect opportunity for them to ride off majestically into the sunset to never be heard from again and to just make money off of their royalties and they fucked it up and this is not going to go uh, this is not going to go well for them yeah they'll they'll sweep it under the rug at some point i'm sure but listen man i'm sad to see kiss go but i'm glad they are because i think they're probably too long in the tooth to be doing the kiss thing any longer with any kind of yep. credibility totally. um so thank you kiss thank you for a lifetime of really good music absolutely a lifetime a, a lifetime of fun entertainment because they stopped being a band let me just say this they stopped being a band when they did kiss alive one that's when they stopped being a band and became entertainers and so thank you for entertaining a lot of people um, because after that album wasn't really about the music, the music was just the vehicle and that, that they used to go with all of the pyrotechnics and the fucking Kabuki makeup and all this other shit to deliver entertainment. And that's what they did for fucking 50 years, dude. <laughs> Thank you, Kiss. You were bodacious, obnoxious, creative and fun, mediocre and great, at times wildly inappropriate, colorful, frustrating, inconsistent, and yet somehow always there. Thank you, Kiss. You were superheroes with guitars, thundering gods among the stars. Thank you, Kiss. For making critically condemned lowbrow art and B-grade trash like Kiss meets the Phantom of the Park. Thank you, Kiss. You were shameless marketers who never encountered a licensing opportunity beneath your brand or a trend unworthy of exploitation. 
Thank you, Kiss. You put the show in show business, the X in sex, and pistols in your pants. Thank you, Kiss. For 50 years, your brand of hard rock and roll reverberated through the heavens, shook the bowels of hell, sent shockwaves on a rocket ride, and had nine lives when you should have died. Thank you, Kiss. We bid adieu to platform shoes. Say goodbye to starry eyes. Farewell, Kiss. Be on your way. We rock and roll all night and party every day. Let me tell you, so the lyrics to real rock music is nothing more than satanic cyanide. Get it out of your house, throw it out, and burn it. It has no place in the house of the righteous. Hey guys, it looks like a mistake. There's no mistake anymore. Follow us on Twitter at RNR Autopsy, or you can send an email to rockandrollautopsy at gmail.com. And if we run across anything good, we'll mention it in a future episode. Thanks for listening. Later. Well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Before you go, if you like heavy metal and stories, then you'll love Battle of the Bands, the narrative form metal podcast that unpacks the biggest rivalries in rock and metal history. Season 1 took in Megadeth versus Metallica, and Season 2 went across the divide to explore the beef between Judas Priest and Iron Maiden. It's like Business Wars, but metal. Find Battle of the Bands wherever you listen to your podcasts, or visit battleofthebandspod.com.